Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome into another edition of the Just Press Play podcast. I got Pops joining me. Uh, there, Pops, there's a lot going on between NFL Draft, NBA, Game of Thrones. There's just a, a lot going on. What's going on, man? Man, there is a lot going on, you know, just in things in general and in life personally. Just busy. It's a busy time of year. It's just a busy, busy time. I And, and now, you know... We're going to get some Game of Thrones, some of our reactions to we We finally got the, the Battle of Winterfell, and uh, we got to see the Night King in action. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So just in case, if you haven't if you haven't seen it yet, you can skip the last part of our podcast. But we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. But uh, I want to start with some NFL draft stuff. And I don't think – I mean, I don't think people are coming to us to get a, a draft grade on all 32 teams. We'll, we'll worry about – we'll do that one here in a little bit. But uh, just in general – the NFL draft to me, they they stretched it out. I think too far. What it feels like, it just between Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Usually, I used to like really like pay attention on Saturday. And today or this past year, I was just like, man, we've already done two full nights of draft, and I just hmm. kind of looked at the draft tracker after it happened and kind of looked to see what all teams picked. I didn't even kind of watch it live Saturday. What'd you think? Um, you know, I watched it some Thursday night and um, really didn't think of it much Friday and Saturday. Um, but I did read or see something where, I mean, it was like one of the, I think the most attended draft in a long time. And the TV viewership was up from last year when they had a fairly strong quarterback laden draft. So it, it seems like it did well. Yeah. You know, you know, as far as many people want to say, like the NFL is, is dying. And I do think slowly the game of football is in, in trouble as we've lamented and tons of people have with the different. Yeah dangers of playing there you can't deny the pop the popularity of the sport is still sky high i mean even when it doesn't feel like people were talking about the nfl draft that much i still know everyone was tuning in and everyone wants to know who their team got and football to me it seems like popularity wise football still king it seems like oh i think so too completely it is still king you know i I like nba basketball and i know you do as well and obviously we're not alone but uh football's king it's the number one sport and now that the draft is over, we get so before the draft, you know, it's it's line season. Everyone tells you who they're not taking and who they are taking, and everyone's floating. Now, we, we talked about how even in locker rooms they're lying to each other, and wh- whether it's the Raiders or the Cowboys back in the day when they're trying to set snakes or set traps on people. But now that the draft is over, it's all these GMs just lying to us, trying to convince us that their picks were so good. And let's go ahead and start with. The, the let, me guess. let me guess. <laughs> I, I don't know what your notes are looking like, but I'm. It's the pick that everyone's talking about. The Giants reach up there at number six to take Daniel Jones. Who I just want to say before, maybe even before the Senior Bowl, even until like a couple, like a month ago, I don't know how many people, like avid NFL fans, he was? <laughs> could tell you who Daniel. Like if I would have said Giants may take Daniel Jones, I feel like most fans would go. Who? I mean, I had to make sure. I, there was like Duke's quarterback was Duke. I, I saw them on a couple of noon games on Saturday. I don't remember their quarterback standing out to me. 
Well, but Duke but, is such a bastion of college quarterback <laughs> talent. So, you know, just taking him was, you know, huge. Whatever. I mean, it just so they take him at number six. And yeah. as as we well know, the Giants traded Odell Beckham for a first round pick. So the Giants had two first round picks. They had the number six and the number 17. And many people were, were questioning before the draft, you know, could the Giants, their supposed love for Daniel Jones, could the Giants really go get Daniel Jones at 17? And the answer is no. They won't go do it at 17 because they're going to take him at six. At six. At six. <laughs> and then what what drives me insane. So, all right, we've already talked about, I mean, just looking at the different stats and everything, and stats don't tell everything, but just if you put like the, the blind resumes up of all the quarterbacks that went in like the top four rounds, Daniel Jones was by far where like, he looks like you would just not assume that's the guy taken after Kyler Murray. But then you have Gettleman coming out, and it sounds like, one, Gettleman needs to make your pick, whatever, but he sounds like he's too worried about what other people think about his pick because yeah. all he's done since is try to convince us that he made the right pick. And I don't understand that. If you're the GM, just make your pick. Like, so – I saw a quote he said afterward where he said, I know for a fact there were two teams that would have taken him in front of us at 17. I know that for a fact. And it seems like the two supposed teams that he was talking about from, from league sources, I read this in SI and then Peter King did it in his Monday morning quarterback, but the two teams were the Broncos and Redskins. I'm just going to go ahead and say, it sounded like Dan Snyder wanted he Haskins wanted to Wayne from, Haskins from, from the get-go. Yeah, from the jump. It, a day before the draft, the report came out that Snyder told his team and his scouts that he was taking over the first round, which, as a Cowboy fan, that was like music to my ears to know that Daniel Snyder was going to take over all first-round responsibilities. But he also, the last time that Pretty that right. happened, the last time Snyder did that, the Skins traded up for RG3. Snyder only does that when there's a quarterback he loves. And... Let's even go a little further. Daniel Rossini from ESPN reported that Dan Snyder sat in one interview at the NFL Combine. It was Dwayne Haskins. Snyder also liked Dwayne Haskins from the jump because Haskins went to the same high school as his son. So he had a love affair with Haskins. I think everyone, unless Gettleman's just completely wrong and someone, he just was falling for the, the Redskins duped him, then I don't know what he was thinking when he said that he knew for a fact they would take Jones. And the other one, it sounded like, was the Broncos. He, They were sure the Broncos would take Daniel Jones before them at seven. Like if they waited the 17, they would go at that he would be taken. But then it came out after the, the, the Broncos got their boy. They got Drew Locke from Missouri, who looks like they want to kind of groom what, under Joe Flacco. What pick was that? What pick was that? They got him, I think, in the second round, towards the end of the second round. And they, okay. they, they said that Drew Locke was number one, maybe number two, Behind Murray, but they, Murray doesn't fit their system. So that Locke was their number one quarterback rated for what they like to do and what, what they like in a quarterback. So I don't think they ever – either Gettleman's just lying to us or he completely fell for other teams saying they were going to take his quarterback and they just made him look like an idiot. Well, I think you're seeing a, a dichotomy of two owners or two general managers here. I guess, well, it's an owner and a general manager because Gettleman completely jumped a gun. And if he – hey, if that's his guy, if that's your guy – yeah, take yeah. him, take him, and just be steadfast. You, you know, just wait and see. You know, take him, and then Daniel Snyder. I mean, you know, he was chomping at the bit. He wanted Haskins uh, from the get go, like we talked about, and to not trade up to sit there and be patient and get him at fifteen. I thought that was a yeah. big steal, and and I thought it was normally really I would big say time of Snyder to kind of settle himself down 
not give away a draft pick and get the guy he wanted at his pick. I thought that was a really – so two people going in different directions there, I guess is what yeah, like, like we like we just said earlier, like when I heard Dan Snyder as a Cowboy fan, when I heard Snyder was taking over right. the first round, it'd be You're it'd excited. be like Redskins here. It'd be like Redskins here, and Jerry Jones is taking over the first round for the Cowboys. Same typically, thing. think Same thing. yeah, typically think he's going <laughs> to get overzealous. He's going to want his guy, and he's going to trade up and go get him. Well, like exactly. back when we were worried the Cowboys were going to take Manziel, like trade up to go get Manziel, like in the top five or something. So when Snyder did that, we, I, I just assumed that he was going to jump the gun and and do something dumb. And he did a smart thing. Like you said, get, I'll give credit where it's due. I think the Redskins actually had a really good draft. And I think I a lot of it too. was just being patient and waiting for their guy. And honestly, I like Haskins a lot. I think Haskins could be really good. And I loved Haskins afterward. Just kind of, he didn't look like, he didn't look completely uh, dejected. He lost a lot of money by not going six and going 17. I think he was upset that he didn't go to New York, but he seemed kind of like he he seemed ready to go prove the Giants, and now he'll get two chances a year to pr- prove the Giants to wrong. To prove the Giants wrong, yeah, yeah, and I I agree. I think they did good. And then to to finish my thought on Gettleman, and it's pretty much completely piggybacking on what you said, and that's if you're a GM, whatever you do, you did your trade for Odell Beckham. You've done everything you've done. I may not agree with it, but that's fine. When it comes to a quarterback, especially a first round quarterback, you're pretty much tying your job security to that player. I mean, it, so if Daniel Jones is your guy, by all means, I'm Go I'm actually him. okay with you getting him. I don't care if you trade up. Like It's just like the Bears when they traded up for uh, – what's his name? If you're going to trade up, go get your guy. And I mean, you're, you're hitching your, your name to that bandwagon. So I get that. But why are you worried about now convincing whether me or, or you here at the JPP or ESPN or Fox or whoever cares about – about what whether you should or should not trade up for him. You got your guy. That's all that matters. And that's just right. move on. But the fact that not only was he talking about it after the draft, I get on Thursday night, that's all the questions. But then on Friday, he's still trying to convince us. Then Saturday, he was still convincing us that he made the right pick. It's like, you got your guy. All right, move on. Do the rest of the draft. And so that makes me think he's questioning whether he did the right thing or not. All right. Uh, this makes me think of, we're talking about quarterbacks in the draft, Right. You know right. who I think may work out to be the best quarterback in this draft? Now, Kyler Murray, I'm interested to see him play. But I think Josh Rosen being trading to Miami, I'm telling you, that's the Tom Brady syndrome. It's like I'm going to – I would think he would have the the chance now to go, I'm going to prove all them son-of-a-guns wrong and be a mm. damn good quarterback. And I think he's talented enough. I think he's got the skill set to do it. Agree. So. Perfect segue. I wanted to. I, I definitely wanted to touch on Josh Rosen. That's exactly what I was thinking. So, I was kind of looking at a little because it seems like Rosen has just been the punching bag for everyone, like talking crap about him. And I really don't understand. I know he came out uh, a year ago, and when when the when the Cardinals first traded up for him, there was some some questions about character and maybe how much he loved the game or whatever. And is he? A bad teammate. I, right, I've not heard right. one former teammate, and maybe I maybe I just haven't looked in the right spaces, but I, I've done plenty of Googling, and I can't find one teammate that said they didn't like Rosen. One guy that's been very close friends with Rosen's over this past offseason has been Larry Fitzgerald, who mm-hmm. I would think if you're good friends with Larry Fitzgerald, he's a good judge of character, or at least he seems that's like a, a high-character guy. Right. And I did see Rosen has apparently – been this whole time they the Cardinals either they didn't know they were going for Murray or they just weren't hundred percent sure. It sure seemed like the whole world knew they were going Kyler Murray. But on Wednesday, 
Kingsbury told Rosen, it's not you, it's me. He, he really, he hit him with the, the George Costanza line and told him that <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it's not you that's bad. It's just that Murray's perfect for my system. And Rosen, I was reading more about it, this SI article that was kind of detailing all the, 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 uh, the hours and days up to the draft. He was right. in the Cardinals locker room as late as Wednesday night learning the playbook from Kingsbury. Oh, by yeah. the way, Rosen's had yeah. five different offensive coordinators in the past five years. And all he was trying to do is learn the playbook. And then when they took Murray, they told the, his agent said, yep, they're doing it right, right before the pick. His agent called him and said, yeah, they're going to take Murray. And you know what Rosen's response was? All right, I'm going to beat him out. He said, I'm going to beat him out. And his agent said, that's not going to happen. And when they take quarterback number one overall, they want him to start. So, But I like that was his I, first remark. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, I think Rosen has handled himself with class, really, in this whole endeavor. And the the Cardinals, and I, I'm sorry I jumped in, but the Cardinals, no. they blew it because you got to trade Rosen before you take Kyler Murray. Now you've got to trade Rosen. There's just no doubt about it. They should have been doing this three weeks ago. I, I just that's think the what, Cardinals messed that up. It sounded like it honestly sounded – so the article I was reading from SI, and it was, deta- it was detailing from the agent as well as Rosen, and they were saying that up until – right after the Cardinals took Murray one overall, and then the 49ers went Bosa, which I think was a foregone conclusion. The 49ers knew they wanted Bosa the whole time. So then after that, the agent got a call from the Cardinals and said – Hey, by the way, you can start gauging teams' interest in in your in Josh and seeing who's mm-hmm. willing to trade up for him. And they even said they even asked him. They had, they asked him, "Do you think the Patriots would be interested?" And the and and Rosen's agent got mad because he was like, "Wait a minute! So you took a guy and you don't even know what the trade value is. You just lost all trade value by taking Murray." So that's when they started mm-hmm. calling teams. They called the Redskins, and the Redskins were like, "You you you think we're going to give you a first round pick?" For a guy when you know you're not starting him, you know and we know you're not playing this guy. Right. And now you want us to give a first-round pick? So they just screwed the pooch on this completely. I mean, and then, would they be worse than Gettleman? I mean, they're in, they're in maybe, the running I mean, for Gettleman. The only reason they're not is because they got the guy that they really wanted, and they and they just said, screw it, we got who we wanted. But I think they, they, they've known. Maybe they've, they've been known in denial, this for but a they've while, known surely. that. that Kingsbury, everyone like that's why it's been the worst kept secret is because everyone just knew like this is Kingsbury's system. Rosen just or, or Murray just fits it perfectly, and so that just connecting dots it made sense. Well, so do you think kind of under the radar they were shopped? They had to be right. They had to have been shopping him, and nobody, everybody knew Kingsbury's taking my uh, Murray. Everybody had to know, so he got no offers. I mean, surely they're not so stupid as to not shop the hell out of Rosen. No, and they're fixing to take a quarterback. Rosen's not going to field for two years unless there's an injury or something. I mean, it's ludicrous. That was terrible. You just planning. lose all value. And supposedly, I was reading that they they did a study on quarterbacks, and they decided that it was smarter to have two competent quarterbacks because the number of quarterbacks that play all sixteen games, blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah, but it blah, just. Blah. You you know they wanted to get they they felt like they wanted to go Murray so then you got to go get some for Rosen and as soon as you take Murray on Thursday night at seven oh eight or whatever time it was as soon as they made the pick to get Murray Rosen's value drops tremendously I mean tre- yeah. it, there's no way you're getting a first round pick at that point and I want to give a shout out to the Dolphins I thought they did a fantastic job 
And I do too. I do too. I think they knew they they were interested in Rosen, but instead of trading their number thirteen pick right after that Murray, they were just like, "We'll wait it out and see if someone else is will." Because like, I think the Cardinals got some offers right after that, but they weren't the first round pick, and the Cardinals wanted to wait and try. They wanted to be stubborn, and so the Dolphins, instead of trading that first round pick, they got Christian Wilkins with the number thirteen pick and a, a good defensive lineman out of Clemson. And then not only did they didn't trade their second round pick early in the second round, they traded down and got a second round next year's draft, and then traded that later second round pick to get Rosen. So essentially, they got the guy they wanted in the first and the quarterback they wanted and got a second round pick for next year. I think the Dolphins did a fantastic job. And the Cardinals had to pay that roster bonus to to Rosen. They paid him like $11 million for being on the roster in March. So Rosen's like cheap as hell. They get him for like $3 million the next three years. Yeah, so they can build around him if he's got something. I mean, and he played some last year. I think Rosen's going to have something. I think he'll. I think he'll be a good. I just there's no way you can base it off of last year whether he's something or not. I mean, like you 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 said this last week, he played with no offensive line. He changed offensive coordinators again in the middle of the season. The running back got hurt. I mean, he just had nothing mm. to go around him, and he didn't have a great year. Okay, I I'm I almost thought. Why wouldn't another team give up a higher pick? I thought even though the Cowboys think they're the guy, Rosen's just – we've seen how important it is to have a quarterback and a backup quarterback. And if the Dolphins or if the Cardinals have already paid the majority of that salary, why not take a flyer on a guy like Rosen? I just think he's a good quarterback. And I just don't understand the hate he's been getting. But real quick on the Rosen thing, I saw it was going all over. It was uh, The clip was getting played a lot on the internet. And apparently – so Rosen unfollowed before he got traded – he unfollowed the Cardinals Instagram account and all their social media accounts. And it, it was because the Cardinals, if you go look, they posted a million pictures of Kyler Murray in a Cardinal Jersey. And they were like, the future's here, the future's here. And if I'm Rosen, that's a little annoying. Like he, yeah. he was just, yeah, that, that's a little frustrating. Like he just got drafted. He bought a house in Arizona and all this stuff. So he unfollowed whatever. And, and Steve Smith, who, the former, you know, Carolina Panthers receiver, played yes. for the Ravens a little bit. Yes. He's now on NFL Network, and he had this rant where he talked about how Rosen's soft and you got to go earn your spot, and I can't believe you unfollow it. And I, and a lot of people seem like they were retweeting it and, and liking it and sharing it all over the social media. And I thought it was ridiculous. All Rosen's done has been like we talked about. He's just said the right thing, said he wanted to beat him out, and then they, they traded him. I, I just think. I'm I'm rooting for the guy. I don't know how great he is. I'm rooting for him. That's Kevin. That's, that's exactly what I, when you were talking a little while ago. That's what I'm rooting for the guy. That's exactly my sentiments. I'm I hope he does well, and I think he should have a little interior internal fire that's that's burning to prove people wrong. And and I like you. Hope he does. Like we said, it, same way with the Giants getting Daniel Jones and the Cardinals now getting Murray. If it's your guy, quarterback's the most get important him. position. Go get him. So I, I don't. Yep. I, I'm fine with it, but. I just don't think they played that out well. They didn't play their hand as well as they could have. Yeah, I think. that's yeah. that. That was kind of the the end I got. I, I hate that we don't have Elgin here to talk a little Drew Locke going to the to the Broncos and what I'm interested. I think there's still a little bit of there's still a little tread on Joe Flacco's tire maybe. I do too. And I'm interested to see what the what the Broncos do going forward. And I think it was a good pick to get Locke. I liked him at Missouri. It was kind mm-hmm. of a, a real spread air raid, so it probably will help to get him in and just kind of sit on the bench for a year and learn. And, yeah, and I oh think yeah. Flacco's still a fine quarterback. So I, I actually like what the Broncos did in the draft. I don't I I didn't actually get a word from LJ. Don't know how he's feeling about it. Well um, I guarantee you to, he'll tell yeah. us. 
I'm trying to see if there was any other notes I had from the first round or from the draft. I think that's about all I had. Do you have anything else from the draft you wanted no. to say? No, uh, that's that's. Did all you I see? Did you see the guy, the brother? So the Eagles took a quarterback in like the fourth round, out of Northwestern, I believe it was. And you know how they'll have the the cameras show kind of in the in the house as they get picked, as mm-hmm. they get the call and stuff. And so the camera shows the brother get drafted, and he goes to high five his his brother. So the quarterback from Northwestern got drafted, and he's there with his girlfriend, mom, dad, and his brothers on the couch beside him. So he gets up, he's excited. His brother goes for a high five, gets completely left hanging because the guy who's just drafted hugged his girlfriend instead. Okay, that's fine. I understand you hug your girlfriend like that's that's pretty cool. But then the, he then goes and looks like he's gonna hug his brother. His brother goes in for the hug the second time, and like he starts to turn, and then he turns, hits him with the back, and hugs his dad instead. So the guy gets left hanging <laughs> twice on on ESPN on national TV, and only thing I can imagine. It looked personal. It looked like he did it on purpose, and I don't know if he's just screwing with his brother because he knows he's on the camera or what. But it sure looked it looked intentional, mm. and poor brother just got left hanging. It was it was a pretty funny clip, and then it went viral all over the internet because it's just guy gets left hanging twice, and he you know the I have to see that. I hadn't seen it yet, and you know how it goes. Like when you get left hanging, and you know people are kind of watching, try to kind of play it off, like you scratch your shoulder or something, and you act like you weren't going for the high five. He was clearly going for the high five. It was pretty funny. Um, uh, I want to get into the NBA, but uh, real quick, I want to touch on, okay. and I don't. We don't have to spend a super long time on this because it's not it's not the the funnest topic, but it's been it's it's really disgusting that uh, Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs. I don't know if everyone's been keeping up with it. We know he's had troubles before he got drafted from the Chiefs, and now more stuff's coming out, and it's. To me, it's disgusting that he hasn't been – he needs to be kicked out of the NFL. Have you seen the recent stuff that's come out now? Well, I, I guess what I saw is that they recorded him talking to his girlfriend or wife. Is she fiance. his wife? Fiance. Um, Pregnant fiance who they also have a kid with. Saying something about your child is scared of you, and, and he said something back like, bitch, you should be scared of me too. And if that's audible, that's that is not – I mean, I don't know if he hurt his kid. The kid said his daddy hurt his arm. Well, so the kid, he he was in trial because the kid has a broken arm. The kid and, has a broken arm. And it it looks, someone broke his arm. They can tell, last Wednesday, Hill was able to avoid any charges from the Johnson County District Attorney. And what they said, basically, in their findings was, it's clear someone did something to this boy and broke his arm, but we can't tell who did it. And then audio came out Thursday from a, the, a local Kansas City reporter, Angie Racono, and she released this audio. And in the audio, you can hear uh, Espinal, who's his fiance, say he's terrified of you. And Hill responds, like you said, "Yeah, he should be, and so and you should you should too." And to the wife or to the fiance, and then it goes on and, call, and calls her a bad. I mean, calls her. Yeah, a bitch, he says you, know? you I mean, should he be. Yeah, he says you should vulgarly. be too, bitch. And it's like, come on. Yeah. First off, why you shouldn't talk to a woman like that? But then. He's like admitting that, yeah, the kid's afraid of me because he should be. But the audio goes on and it says that Espinal saying, why does he always say daddy did it over and over? Daddy does it. Daddy hurt me. Daddy did it over and over again. And Hill denies she's insinuating like the arm breaking the arm and Hill denies that. But then later, I guess they're discussing his uh, his form of parenting and his how he does discipline. And Espinal says to Hill when he cries, what do you do? You open up his arms and punch him into the chest. 
punch him directly in his chest until he quits crying. And if that doesn't work, you pull the belt out. And Hill does not deny any of it. And then they go further, and she says, I even rode for you. You know I rode for you. I rode for you with the cops, with the CPS officers. I've rode with you this whole time, even though even though he claims daddy punches him. I've rode for you. And the, so the DA says that they didn't have this audio, but Angie Racono, the reporter, says she provided the audio to him on Tuesday before the trial ended. And I don't understand how he's not guilty if this audio – I mean, clearly he's not a good parent. How did that audio – was it obtained? How, so, how was that obtained? That's a, that's a good question. It was made by her. Espinal made the audio. She was recording as they were walking through, I think it was an airport. She made the recording? She made the audio as an insurance tape kind of for herself. So uh, let's go ahead and make it clear. She's not the best parent either. It's not, no one's no one's getting a, a silver star here. But So she was trying to catch him. Though. She made she this was- audio because she wrote for him and she was afraid of him. I I think rightfully so. I think Tyreek Hill something this this dude's just not a great guy, and so she right. made this and gave it to a friend to say if if anything happens to me, this is he's clearly guilty, and I just want this. I want someone to have this recording, and the friend finally gave it to the reporter and said this needs to get out there, and the reporter tried to give it to the DA. The DA I guess either didn't listen to it or claim they they claim they never heard it. According to Ricono, according to the reporter at. at the local Kansas City TV station. And now the court the, the trial's being opened back up and we'll see what happens. But after all this, wow. Hill Hill wow. just now got put on just now as in, I think, over the weekend, Saturday or Sunday. The Chiefs wouldn't make a comment on it. And the they the NFL moved him over to the commissioner's exempt list, which means he won't get be getting paid anymore. But he's been getting paid through all this. And here's my biggest gripe with it. And it's not necessarily that He's still technically not been cut or fired, but it's just that the Chiefs, the NFL, I don't know how they can do it, and someone smarter than me is going to have to figure it out, but the NFL's got to make it to where the Chiefs took a gamble on Tyreek Hill at the draft that a lot of people wouldn't. He was a first or second round talent. Everyone knew it. And the Chiefs right. took the gamble and got him in the fifth or sixth round, whatever they did. And it worked out. It, it paid off for him. He was, he's been really good for him for really cheap for about four but years. And even, even though now they have to cut him, they took a gamble and really they won. I mean, they got four or five really good years out of maybe – I mean, he was the most explosive player in the NFL last year. Yeah, yeah. So somehow the NFL has to make it – I don't know how you can because you can't say he's guilty until proven guilty. But you got to make it to where these things – like teams aren't so willing – the Chiefs were willing to take this gamble because it's worth it. So I don't know if you implement like a point system to where if a guy gets caught with it, like if you draft someone – because it sounded like all the other t- NFL teams – knew there was some there was some real serious stuff about even if he wasn't proven guilty they knew there was some serious stuff by doing their research and the chiefs just decided it's worth it it's worth it's worth putting right. up with it and hopefully he's changed and i think i'm sure they tried to help him and they hope that he changes ways but well what is, what is this point thing you're talking about this is something maybe like make a point system to where if a player gets like if you sign a Greg Hardy and he does something with domestic violence, you get a point. And after so many points, you get docked a draft pick or something just to where teams aren't as so a team. Yeah. As an organization, as the chiefs or as the Cowboys or as the whoever, just so it shouldn't be like the chiefs. I think they'll do it again. Why wouldn't they draft a guy in the fifth round? If they can get a first round talent in the fifth round and just hope that he changes his life around. I just, I don't know. I just well, I mean, but he could have. He could have changed his life around. I, I don't. I'm telling you, I don't begrudge the Chiefs for reaching out there and making that gamble. If not, then maybe the next team at the next pick. 
But I mean, here it is. It worked out for three or four years. It's over. He's gone. And you move on. So now the next time that comes up, maybe they don't make that pick. You know what I'm saying? I guess I'm not, I'm not trying to completely be adversarial. I'm just saying uh, I, I'm okay with the Chiefs trying that late in yeah. the draft, giving a guy a chance. He could have turned things around. He didn't. It doesn't appear. You pay the consequences. You move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. People can change and people do make mistakes, and it could have been a one mistake, and 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 he could have turned things right. It just, it just sucks to know that, like, I've enjoyed watching and even rooted for Tyreek Hill and, and to, to be good at the Chiefs and to know it sounds like he was an, not only an awful husband or, or a boyfriend to his wife, but, I mean, this poor kid. I feel bad for the three-year-old boy, like, that he lived through his life. And that's what I don't want to say – I mean, the wife might have been afraid, or the fiance could have been afraid of Tyreek Hill, and she probably was. But she wasn't. She rode for him with the CPS. She knew he was getting punched in the chest as a two-year-old, three-year-old. That's not right. No, I mean, I mean it's just, it, it's just as it, to to read to listen to those audio tapes. If they're they're out there, and if you look them up, you'll hear them. And they're just, it 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 makes your heart drop just to hear like this to know this boy's going through this to know that a little kid is getting treated like this. Just, it sucks. And it's out there. I guess it just opens your eyes to know that it, even though it might not have happened to me in my childhood, or I don't know someone personally that's gone through it, it's out there and it just sucks. It sucks. This happens. It sucks this to know happens. that for a while, this guy was making a ton of money and playing football. And he was also doing this stuff at his home. I don't know. It's just tough. You know, and I, I want to say this, and it sounds like I'm really, I'm making a very big segue, but you look at the chief's roster and where it's gone from where it was, because more than likely Tyreek Hill is gone, arguably the number one threat in the NFL. Yep. Kareem Hunt gone. is gone. I arguably mean, one, one of the, of the top, top three or yeah. four targets in the NFL, threats in the NFL. So D Ford, they, D Ford's correct. gone on the defensive end. They uh, they lost another D line. I mean, there's a lot, a lot's changed in Kansas City. I mean, they still have Mahomes, but. I guess they did just trade. Which is and a get, lot. <laughs> they did just trade and get Frank Clark, and yeah, yeah. As far as football wise for the Chiefs, it is interesting. The team has changed a lot. I do think, as we've talked about, even when we're talking about the draft stuff, quarterback's the most important position on the field, and they got a pretty dang good one in in Pat Mahomes. So I think they'll be okay. But yeah, just a lot of his weapons have definitely changed around him, and it, it'll be Andy Reid's yeah. got his work cut out for him. That's for sure. As far as moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you thought that team would have been that way for a while too. They were kind of young and, you know, you thought they were going to be together. And anyway, very different. Time, very different. Times, times are changing and, and they, you only get so long before Mahomes gets that huge $200 million contract. So now is the time for them to win in it. Mm, yep. I guess they took a gamble on some questionable character guys and it hasn't worked out. We'll see where it goes forward. Uh, real quick. I want to let the listeners know that if you or someone, you know, is looking to go to a game or a, show or a co- whether it's a comedy show or a Broadway show, any, any, any kind of event you're wanting to go attend. I wanted to let you know about our uh, sponsors over at seat geek. They will take the confusion mm. out of your ticket buying experience. And instead of shopping for dozens of sites, trying to find the best deal, seat geek will do all the work for you. Their app shows you all the best deals to your favorite games, concerts, and shows and rates them on a scale of zero to 10. They'll have green dots for good deals, yellow dots for not so good deals, the red dots for the deals you want to stay away from. Uh, and right now, if you use the promo code ACAA at checkout, you'll receive $20 off your first purchase over at SeatGeek. So you can 
hit up hit up some of these playoff games if you want to go catch a, a Rockets Warriors game or whatever you want. And like we said last week, we'll we'll cover the cost of one beer probably at the event, unless you go to like a game over in Atlanta where they do them a little cheaper. But for the most part, we're probably only covering one beer. But twenty bucks off over to SeatGeek if you put in the promo code ACAA. SeatGeek license event. We have the tickets. All right. You know, I just uh, I just wrote all that down because uh, did you know Hamilton's uh, out now in Dallas and Houston really? and some of this area, and uh, I'm going to get on there and see if I can maybe get some tickets. Yeah, I still want to um, see Hamilton. See I, I still really want to go see it. Hannah, shout now, out! You made me listen to that music one time, and it was that music was legit. Just listening to it. Well, so. and that's all. LJ and Hannah got me onto it. And I believe Hannah actually got to see it and said that Hamilton was. Hannah got to great. go with Doug, my buddy yeah. Doug. Yeah. Did you know that? No. Well, I, yeah. I think I remember Y'all you telling about me. Doug yeah. on the pod. Doug and Tracy sure did. So, and I've heard nothing but great things. But yeah, go check it out on SeatGeek. Throw in the promo code ACAA and and get you twenty bucks off. Get get your drink paid for us paid for on us. All right, we, we kind of oh, mentioned right. it in in that and when we're talking a little seat geek, and let's get over to some of the NBA stuff. And we talked about it last week, and we're finally into it. And man, I think it's living. We're only a game in in most of the series, but the NBA's second round, I think the playoffs are going to be it's amazing, fantastic. <laughs> uh, and the only issue I have here's the only issue: we're talking about the refs too dang much in the Warriors Rocket series. Okay, do you agree? Disagree? All Let right. me just throw it at you. I completely agree, and that's the Houston Rockets' fault. Yep. Now, and I want to tell you, and I may have heard, it may have been Isaiah Thomas, but I was thinking that he was on some show I was listening to. Maybe get up. The the, the, the Hall of Fame Isaiah Thomas, not. Yeah, the Hall of Fame Isaiah Thomas, the the old Detroit Piston, the bad boy. And he said, and it, it was so true, Houston was going up and like throwing their ass over to the side to make contact or throwing their legs forward. Now, I'm not saying I know the deal about jumping into a shooter and they have to have a place to land. I get all that. And do, they do need to protect that. But Houston was throwing limbs out to try to draw those fouls, mm-hmm. messing up their own shots. Yep. And what I heard Isaiah Thomas said is just go win the damn game. Quit bitching about refs. Go win the game. All that crap you were trying to do, trying to throw your body parts out and draw those fouls, messed up your shot. Yep, and totally agree. I'm just telling, and I think Golden State's going to come out in the next game and kick that ass. They're going to be like, you know what, foul this, and I really think Golden State could come out and make an. A and statement. we are we are recording this as of Tuesday night, and the game will be played a little bit. So that could you could sound really smart by the time I, people listen to this. No. Or dumb, who knows? But I, I agree. I think this is just adding fuel to the fire for the Warriors. And my issue with what the Rockets are doing, and I agree, as someone who's played some basketball, and if you're going to shoot and know when someone might be putting their feet underneath you, that totally does affect your shot. I totally get giving a shooter landing space because if you're worried about whether you're going to roll an ankle come down, that affects everything. Just one little mind alter now affects you. And two, we've seen how it can change a series. But two years ago when Zaza Pachulia for the Warriors got underneath Kawhi Leonard's ankle and all of a sudden the Spurs Spurs went from a team that looked like they could upset them to they didn't stand a chance. So I understand the Rockets to an extent saying, well, we want to cause, but you're totally right. The Rockets, this is what the Rockets and Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, they do. They look – and I'm kind of torn on this because like, I credit the Patriots for – looking at the rules and finding the best way to, to use them in their favor. 
And that's really what the Rockets did. If you look back a couple of years ago, James Harden was doing the, the little sweep through play where as soon as you put your arm in, he's going to try to sweep through and act like he's shooting a three, even though he's not even wanting to shoot it. He's just trying to draw a foul. He just wants three free throws. And the NBA, as they should have, they changed up the rules to not incentivize players to do that because it's one thing if you get fouled on three-pointer, but it's another thing when you're not even trying to shoot. You're just trying to draw the foul at the three-point line. So they de-incentivize right. that. Right. And then they're, they're trying to take out this landing space thing by saying you can't completely fill your le- flail your legs out. But it's clear if you go watch some of those plays, the Rockets jump forward, and they do. Like you said, they lean their butts out. They kind of, they're trying to – like on the one where he wanted to call on Draymond Green, maybe Green got in there, but Harden's already fallen before the ball is even released. I mean, he's, he's selling that call the whole way. So it just mm-hmm. – like, like Isaiah Thomas said, if you get fouled – if they do it, I think the refs will call it, but they're just not wanting to award the Rockets for trying to draw the call. And let's there's clips in the game. Harden is notorious for drawing fouls and try he gets benefited the most out of any player by the refs. And a lot of them are Did fouls. Did you see the one? Yeah. Where it looked like he got an elbow to the chin or whatever. And he didn't and even get touched. Nothing. Yeah. Didn't even get touched. Didn't even get touched. So they're going to make the referees work against them, I think. I think this is going to backfire on the Rockets. And I think probably, as you alluded to, at least in some of our conversations, this is probably the finals. This is, yeah. you know, I don't know. Milwaukee and Boston, I'm really excited about that series as well. But this is the arguably the two best teams I would in the say NBA. so. I mean, anything can happen. You never know. A guy gets hurt or something can change. But I, these are the two best teams. And I've the winner of this series is the favorite to win the finals. But I think so too. It's it's just frustrating to me, and I think the Rockets have learned this. And this is something I was reading some stuff off CleaningTheGlass.com and different things that are like real analytical sites. And the Rockets did the math, and they just decided that. And it, if you if you calculate it out, a guy like James Harden, who shoots ninety percent from the free throw line, him getting fouled on a three pointer is essentially better than it's the most high percentage play for your possession. Because he's almost guaranteed to hit all three of them, at least two of them. So, so the way they did the analytics out, it's a higher percentage possession for him to get fouled on three pointer than it is for Giannis to get a fast break dunk. Like it's just more uh, points per play. Right. So I see that. So they're trying to get fouled. Like the Rockets are clearly trying to get fouled on three pointers. And like Isaiah Thomas said, like you just said, let's just play basketball. If you get fouled, you get fouled. But let's play basketball and. Now the NBA is going to have to try to make another rule change. And I get the Rockets trying to get the best out of the, the rules, but it's making the game worse to watch. And it's it's frustrating as a fan. I agree. I agree. And I'm going to bring up somebody, and I know he's one of your favorite players and has been for me for a while, but CP3 is about to get on my nerves a little bit with his bitching oh, and moaning it's, and grabbing. Well, it's funny. The teams, and, it, the Clippers used to be the worst about it, and then all of a sudden they're not anymore. Oh, it's because CP3's gone. You know who's the worst now? The Rockets, where CP3's at. It, 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 like LJ has said before, you know, it, if it smells like shit everywhere you go, it's probably check the bottom of your foot, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. CP3 right. is so annoying with his complaining. And I love CP3. Shout out to the point god. But it just, he complains nonstop. And if you complain every single possession, you know what? Refs are going to get, it's going to get old to them too. And they're going to just stop, stop giving you the calls. And I'm with you. Let's just quit complaining. Let's play some basketball. Yeah. Let's play basketball and let the better team win. Let's and go. Here's Come the, on. Be, the thing that's overshadowing is I think we're watching just Kevin Durant's run since really Steph Curry hasn't Jeez. played that great since like game Man. one of the first no. series. 
And Durant has yeah. been going off. I mean, 45, 50, 45, 40. He's showing. You need a bucket, get it to KD. He'll get, and he'll get it. Just and that's, do it. that's what really the game came down to in game one. It didn't come down to who got a foul call and who didn't. It came down to, at the end of the game, Durant was getting the buckets and Harden couldn't. And, I mean, that's that that was what it was. And now we're talking about the refs instead of talking about how incredible Durant's playing. And then I thought this kind of opened up something interesting to me just in general in the playoffs is at first I was kind of disappointed with LeBron not being in the playoffs. It takes out a whole storyline of possibly the best player and just watching LeBron, I, I like to watch as much possible of maybe the best player that I've seen play in my in my lifetime at least throughout all of my NBA watching. And now with him out, I think you're starting to see a lot of these guys realize. Clearly an ode to Michael Jordan. I just want to let our well, listeners know that was clearly an ode to well, Michael Jordan. It's the best player. <laughs> so I, since I've been able to watch basketball I've a lot, I've watched a lot more LeBron, and he's been great. He's been the best player oh, for the past. he's legit. He's great. He's had the belt of the best player in the NBA, at least active players, for at least the past 10 years. And I think all of a sudden, all these players, KD? well, that's what I'm saying. All of a sudden, all these players are going, wait a minute. So now LeBron's not in. This is my time to really take that, that mantle. And you're seeing KD's putting up a hell of a run. Kawhi Leonard over in the East is doing some things. He does the way he plays. It's kind of mechanical and seems like a robot at times. It's not as like smooth and, and finesse. Like when you see, when you see KD hit a nice fadeaway or you see like Michael Jordan back in the day where he switched hands in the air. Some of the things they did were so beautiful. Kawhi Leonard's a little more robotic, but my goodness, the dude goes like – The results. Yeah, I mean, 45 <laughs> points and he only missed like five shots. And then he does the same stuff on the defensive end. He's just a lockdown defender. I mean, I don't know if you remember back in the 2014 finals when the Spurs were playing the Heat and LeBron was at the free throw line. And at one point he turns around and sees Kawhi Leonard check in. And even LeBron James, the best player in the NBA at the time, maybe still is, but it definitely at that time, the best player in the NBA, you could see yeah, him audibly yeah. go, shit, and he rolled his eyes. Because Kawhi Leonard, a 22-year-old Kawhi Leonard, struck fear in LeBron's eyes because the dude's just a dog. And now offensively, there's not a spot on the floor that he's not deadly from. He can hit the three. He can drive on you. He can post. And then what does he play? So how tall How tall is Kawhi he's Leonard? A, he's a three. His, I think know. he's like six seven, six eight. Yeah, he's Long a three. Arms. He's not physical enough, but God, he can hit that. He's a great player. I'm, I'm anxious to see him in the playoffs because I hadn't seen him play it. And, and you're yet. just seeing, yeah, and uh, that series, that I think actually is going to end up being the the funnest series in the first round, that Raptor Sixers, just because I think they're two evenly matched teams. And we really don't know. It's a series for both teams to kind of prove themselves. It's a team for uh, Embiid to prove himself, Ben Simmons, Kawhi. What were you going to say? Well, one other guy I got to give a shout out to that guy at Denver. Is it Joe? Oh, I knew he's going to be probably right? your favorite player. My God, he's like he's Pitsnoggle and some. Uh, I mean, but oh they, that, man, he's that series good. against the Spurs kind of got hidden on NBA TV a lot. People are going to start watching this guy, the dude, and now he's learning. He was kind of always a pass first, and he still is. It's fun to watch a center that can. You know what's crazy? Of all, he leads the NBA or so far in the playoffs in touches. A center. Leads to the playoffs and touches, touches because he is like their wow. point center. And he's finally, though, I love now you're seeing, and he kind of learned this through the Spurs series. While he can initiate and get the and pass and get everyone involved, he's learned it's the playoffs. Sometimes I might just need to go for 35, 40 points, and they can't stop him. He, he does. They can't stop him. Yes. And he does not look like just the tip. He looks like a pit. Oh, he's a little guy, chubby. You know, I mean, but- he's. 
little chubby, but damn, he gets up and down the court. He's athletic. He can. I mean, I loved. I love his game. I love. And then it is hilarious. Game. And maybe things are changing. I don't know what's going on right now. We'll, we're we're going to catch some of this the second half when we get done recording this. But there's also a guy in Milwaukee who all of a sudden we kind of forgot because they just they they got rid of the haven't even yeah, mentioned. He got him rid yet. of the Pistons so fast, <laughs> and they had one bad game. One. I still think Giannis is going to going to sh- have a game or two where he goes. Yeah, I'm still a freak there's a reason my nickname is the greek freak and and then there's Kyrie. Kyrie's gonna i mean i love what he's doing i just think with lebron not playing it's like set the set the table for all these guys are just trying to go out and one-up each other and then damian lillard we haven't even touched on damian lillard's playoff run that shot he made i mean incredible just stepped up and made what a 45 foot or whatever it was it was a long i did and that that one's getting a little that that happened a while back but now, I mean, a week ago, and and things seem to change so fast. But I did love after the after the game, Paul George is like, "That's just a bad shot." I don't care if anyone says that's a bad shot. And Damian Lillard was asked about. It, he goes, "I mean, it looked good to me. Been hitting them all series. You might should have <laughs> next time put a hand up." I loved that little rivalry. And Dame Lillard, that was a fun little rivalry. But man, the Blazers and Dame Lillard got the best of it. And now all all the sure all the Warrior or the all the Thunder are going to have to do is just. Watch highlight. Watch that clip of Dave Millard hitting a forty foot bomb at the buzzer, and then waving bomb. waving bye to him. It was so cold hearted. It was awesome. <laughs> I just think we're yeah, gonna see these. I'm we're gonna see these guys all each every every night. I think you're gonna see whether it's Harden tonight or KD keeps going or Giannis, Kyrie, Embiid, Kawhi. Uh, you mentioned Jokic. I just think we're gonna keep seeing these guys one after another one up each other with huge nights. And as a fan. It, it's exciting. I mean, it's fun, fun to watch. I've not thought about kind of what you're bringing to light is that maybe I'm more excited because LeBron's not in it. Now, I mean, that's no diss to LeBron, but it's just there's so many exciting yeah. players to watch. And now any of those, any of those, I think several of those teams have a realistic shot. Yeah. And LeBron there, used to, to especially in the East, he kind of just overshadowed him, rightfully so, because he was dominating them. And now you're really seeing these guys and it, it might be a good year for LeBron not to make the playoffs because I don't know if my man would have made it past the second round this year. I mean, there's he some good teams. He wouldn't have. So he wouldn't have. Yeah, I, yep. These playoffs have been fun. By the way, if you are wanting to do any gambling on the NBA playoffs, you got to hit up our friends over at My Bookie. Right now, they're hooking listeners up all month with fifty uh, percent off bonus if you if you get on there and, and make a deposit. So right now, if you lay down a hundred dollars. You can get $50 back and extra to play. All you have to do is head over to mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag and put in the promo code JPP for Just Press Play, and you will get a little extra. So if you're wanting to put a little – the playoffs are wide open. Like we said, the Warriors could lose. Who knows what happens in that series? I mean, it's wide open. Now it's time to go put some money down, and there's no better place to do it over than my bookie. All right. My bookie. Before we, before we wrap up, we got to touch on a little bit. So the batter on Winnowfield, it happened. The Night King has come and gone. What what was just what was your thoughts? What was your overall thoughts? Just first thing that comes out to you. Why weren't the dragons involved God, earlier? Why did you send the whole? I mean, put the aerial assault on right away. Light that they shit were, up. Why do you send your the Dothraki out? I mean, your best ass warriors. I might even put them towards the back because when. When the shit gets real, I want the baddest yeah. warriors there to defend me. So 
I thought that seemed odd to me. That yeah. probably was the first John, thing. John and Daenerys, like all the Winterfell had, they had Kevin Durant in the Dragons, and they left him on the bench to start the game. They're like, we're not going to play Kevin Durant to start. We're just going to leave our best player out here on the bench, and then and let the Dothraki. Well, get they just said mauled. something about, and so there was that little argument between Danny and John about, uh, well, we're waiting for the Night King, and she's like, well, the dead are here. It's like, duh. I mean, yeah, I. I don't know. I thought that was, and I'm not trying to diss on him, but I love the show. I, you know, still love Game of Thrones, no yeah. doubt, but I thought that was an odd way to do that battle. Were you upset? I saw a lot of people talking about how dark the episodes seemed to be. Did that bother you? It was, it was a little hard to see at times. You know, it really did make me think. We used to play uh, uh, Warcraft. Yeah. Do you remember playing some Warcraft and you'd have the cloud of war that you could put on there? And I thought that, that's what it <laughs> that's hilarious. You're so right. That, it's so real. The cloud of war is for real. You get in there and you can't see. I mean, not like I've been in a lot, but I guess Warcraft Warcraft taught me that. What's, what's, due to I mean, my extensive experience in Warcraft Wars, I know. I know the cloud of war is real. And so I really thought more about that and I got it. But yeah, there was some things that were a little hard to tell with some of the dragons flying. and I thought, um, and I get, I think, I I think okay the reasoning it. behind it was... You know, it, just as it confusing it was for the people in the, on the show, it was confusing for us watching. So I get kind of the idea, but there was times where I was like, "Wait, so did did Jamie just die? Is Pot is he alive? Did he die? Did Sam die?" Like you couldn't really tell who all died and who didn't at times, and that was a little annoying. I was over squinting my eyes. But um, what about? Can we talk about my girl Aria with the MJ switch? She had it up in her right hand and switched down to the left. I mean, that was a beautiful little knife trick she pulled on the Night King. That was sweet. That was pretty sweet. Now I don't know what his yeah. boys were doing, his, his his team was doing back there when she jumped past him. I guess they were kind of snoozing or checking their Twitter or something. I don't know what they were doing. I mean, really, what the hell? I mean, so here's the only way. I, I will tell you this, watching the episode, at least more than two or three times, I thought, this is it. I mean, there's yeah. no way. They're going to beat the dead. There's just no way. And then when the Night King brings it back, I'm like, there's just no, I was just, had given up. So I thought, well, I, I guess that's how it, you know, it ends. And, and then all this stuff happened. And the only way to kill them is to kill the Night yep. King. That's it. And these guys, like you said, are checking her Twitter while Arya runs by. And I mean, that was so cool how she drops the knife. And it was, it was so. Where the show kind of, and I know we were talking to LJ before in our group text earlier, and I do think the show dropped the ball a little bit in some of the stints where before it seemed like what was so great about Game of Thrones is it was just real. Like if people, people die. die, yeah, you're no matter how much you love them, if they're in a situation where they're just screwed, they're just screwed. That just happens. People die and they'll let them go. And it seemed like in this episode, there were a lot of times where like, when John was chasing after the Night King and he raised up, but first off, I didn't even think about he's going to raise up more dead after you've already killed a bunch of his army. He'll just raise up all the people yeah. you just killed. And when when he did that, I was kind of like you. I was thinking it's over. He just raised up. He it's just over. raised up a whole his like a whole another army just came back up. And John was like, it looked he was completely surrounded by a bunch of zombies at that point, a bunch of whites, and then they all just like kind of waited for him and then the dragon came in and saved him waited waited just long enough for the dragon yeah to get well there. i was as i was yeah. watching i thought what are that why aren't they like running right after him are they gonna like take him prisoner and i was thinking maybe that maybe we'll learn more about the night king I, I didn't know what was going on and then daenerys came in and saved the day and then there were times where 
Like it looked like Arya was completely trapped in the house, or, or Jorah. He was completely trapped in the house, and all of a sudden he was out saving Daenerys. And I don't know how he got outside. I mean, what did? Yeah, I don't. There was just some spots where they kind of suspended belief. Where the show usually is really good about keeping everything real, and I thought they kind of dropped the ball there. But then some of the things they did, as far as foreshadowing, like the Arya doing that, like where Melisandre came in and said. She was like, you're going to kill, just like I told you before, mm. you're going to kill green eyes, brown eyes, and even blue eyes. And that was kind of, I think, the moment where Arya realized, oh, I'm the person that kills the Night King. Blue eyes. I'm, I got to go do this. And then the way they foreshadowed that, and then the way she used the knife right there in the field, where it was like right at the same spot where Bran gave her that knife. And she was like, what do I need this for? Like, why don't you keep it? And he's like, you're going to need this later. And then it was to kill the Night King now, in that same spot. I didn't spot. pick that up. Okay. I saw this. I didn't someone pick else, that up. But I, saw right. some, I, I think I saw it either tweeted out or somewhere. So, I mean, this wasn't something I picked up on right away. But hmm. And then just like her her guy taught her, I uh, forget his name all of a sudden, but the guy that trained her in season one talked about how you got to be quick and you got to move like a shadow and move like, like – that's why she went to go chase cats. She told Ned at one point, I'm going to go chase a cat because the only hmm. way to chase a cat is to be a shadow. And that's what she was. For real. His name was for yeah, real. Yeah, and something. So she was like a shadow to kill the Night King. I just, it was very. They foreshadowed basically all of Arya up to this point. I mean, she's been training for this basically her whole life, and it worked out. So I thought that was really cool, and they did a good job with some of those things. The only thing, my biggest draw I had was I wanted to know more about the Night King. I wanted to know kind of his motives, and I don't think we ever learned that, unless it was just to kill everyone. Well. I tell you what. What I heard today, somebody talking about is that uh, they think they kind of saved that because you know they're doing this prequel, which will be about the Night King yeah, and how he got that made. Makes so sense. I think that's when you're gonna. They're kind of saving that backstory for him. And I will say, it does seem more interesting to me. The Night King. I mean, he was a foe. I just didn't see kind of like we talked, and they did win, but I didn't see how you could. I mean, if the Night King would have been smart. If the if the if the guys would have blocked off instead of checking their Twitter <laughs> account, I mean, there's no way you beat the Night King. There's just yeah. no way. So so I think now though, with him out of the way, the battle with Cersei with whatever's left is interesting. She's a much more fun villain. Right. I totally agree. The Night well, King. Well, and I think that's something so. the show has always been better. The only it just felt like you've been building up for this, the Night King versus the, the Living versus the Dead for eight years, and it kind of we didn't learn yeah. as much, but I do. It's like boom. the prequel probably will touch on that. But also, the show in general has just done much better. Like when they're in the the political realm and on the Iron Throne, and how you deceive others. That's where they've really reached a limit where no other show touches them. I feel like, and they've never right. done as it's where the bread. Yeah, they've butter. never done as well with the magic part about the dire wolves and how they can kind of touch into the mind of the Starks and and the warging of Bran and the Three Eyed Raven. They've that's never been their bread and butter and where they really get it is this part that we're coming up on. And I think I'm excited for the, the, the rest of the series. I think it's going to be awesome. I want to know Me too. what the hell do they have? What kind of army do they have left? What is Cersei's plan? What, where was Cersei at this whole time? And now they still have Bran who can work and see what they're doing at all times. I feel like it, it'll be interesting. I can't wait to see how we go moving forward. And me too. All in all, Me too. I was really, I was very happy. There was, there was a few things I didn't like about the episode, but that was also, I think, we built it up so much that it's going to be hard to live up to every bit of expectation. But overall, I thought it was awesome. I enjoyed the I hour too. and a half that it was. I thought it was good. I saw some people say that it was too long, but there was like a 25 minute span in there where 
the, the, this episode kept going and there was no talking, no dialogue. It was just like facial reactions. And I thought really good acting. I thought that was awesome. So, you know, what got me is when those, when the dead started getting on the fire, the, the yeah. fire pit that was around and they just started falling on it to make a bridge for the, I thought there's no way. We're, well, that we're was, lose. so they did, just, they did have the thing and they talked about on the little after the episodes and it was, it was true. Like, so Melisandre pulls up and she lights the Dothraki sword and at that mm. point, I'm like, yeah. all right, here we go. The yeah, living's coming. Go. And that old. scene that they shot where the Dothraki all go out there with the flames and it just like fades off, that was shot so cool. Because oh. then you're just like, oh, shit. This is this is not going to go well for our for our army here. Mm. And they did that multiple no, times. That was... And then, like you said, where all of a sudden they just start laying on the fire like, oh, oh, no. This isn't going to work out well. No. Yeah. It was very interesting. I can't wait till next week. I, I good episode. I will. Uh, John ready. and Danny need to work on their game planning a little better. Uh, there were some game planning flaws. They need to call up Bill Belichick and, and try to figure out some better game planning strategy before they go take on Cersei. Game plan and execution. Yeah, and execution. I think, I think maybe the plan was there. The execution was off. Because you know what? What have we said? <laughs> work the clock Here, here's a little the, better. What have we said about the only thing, the, the worst plan is a, is a plan that can't be changed. And that, that they learned pretty quick, like, like Daenerys said. The dead are here. We got to change up this plan. We got to go. Yeah. What is it? Oh, shout out to Herm Edwards. Any plan that can't be changed is a, a bad, bad plan. plan. <laughs> and I think Daenerys found that it's out real plan. fast. So, yep. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. We will be. I know we keep saying it'll happen soon, but LJ, it will. We'll be back with us, and we'll dive into some stuff next week. I know he's got a ton to react to some of the stuff we've been saying. So I, I know he'll be coming in hot with the takes next week. So yeah, yeah. it'll be good to have us all no back. Doubt about it. Uh, we appreciate you listening in with us. Uh, make sure. If you have any comments or any places where we were wrong or you just want to join the conversation, you can find us on Facebook at Just Press Play or over on our Twitter at JPP Podcast. And then on our website at jppodcast.com, there's always places you can comment and kind of let us know how you're feeling. And make sure you, uh, if you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Rate us, review. And if you're going to gamble, go to my bookie. If you're going to a game, go to SeatGeek. Put in the promo code ACAA on SeatGeek or JPP on my bookie. And uh, that'll do it for another week. Pops, I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace out.